It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. There we go. Little Super Bowl this weekend. Some NFL films. Yeah. Hello again, everybody. Patrick Johnson here with you. The Get You to the Weekend edition of the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. 94.3thegame.com, the IBX media app, and our streaming platforms. YouTube X, the artist formerly known as Twitter, and Facebook. Philip the Reptilke did producing today's show. What a show we have. What a show we have. We've got uh, Brian Mole coming up in a little bit. We are going to talk even on this uh, kind of football Friday, the last one of the uh, year uh, until the fall. Uh, we're going to have, um, or late summer at least, we're going to have uh, Brian Mole talk some hoop. Uh, if you missed it this morning, Steve Logan appeared on Talk of the Town. We'll have an encore of coaches' uh, appearance later on in our show today. But right now, he played for the uh, Pirates, Pampac legend, and NFL career that uh, was a decade long and included time, uh, considerable time in Kansas City. Uh, Terrence got to play for some of the good franchises in the NFL, and uh, Casey is certainly one of them. Uh, we're going to talk the Super Bowl with him, our great friend uh, Terrence Copper. How are you, my friend? What's up, Pat? How you doing? I'm well. I'm well. I guess you're rooting for the Chiefs this weekend. I am rooting for the Chiefs. I am. I think that Patrick Mahomes is the next Brady. I'm rooting for the Chiefs. You know, I, I think what's interesting about this is San Francisco, and I've said this the last couple of days, uh, San Francisco has really been – uh, the team that uh, on they've been really good all year. They've overcome their own adversity. Look no further than the game last week. They've had some injuries and overcome that. They have a lot more options and weapons on offense. That Brock Purdy is a little more than a game manager, but I, I don't know if he's like an elite all timer. But he's pretty darn good. The thing I will say about San Francisco uh, when you compare them with Kansas City, KC's superior at the quarterback, and I think Terrence they're superior at the head coaching. Spot. I don't think we give Andy Reid enough credit. I, I'm of the belief Andy Reid right now is the best coach in the NFL. I would agree with you. Uh, and everything you just said, I mean, you're hitting it right on the head. I feel, I feel like the San Francisco 49ers, their roster, top to bottom, I feel like it's better than the Chiefs. But I feel like when it comes to the leadership side of things, uh, the Chiefs are heads and shoulders above San Francisco. Uh, like you said, especially at the quarterback position with Patrick Mahomes, this kid is just a winner. Uh, He's been a winner. I want to say he's been to the Super Bowl three out of his four years actually playing. I think two of those years, Alex Smith was, was the quarterback. But when you get to Coach Reed, to me, Coach Reed is that cornerstone of why the program has moved in the direction it has moved in. To me, Coach Reed, this whole Kansas City team reminds me of the dynasty that was built in New England with the Patriots with Bill Belichick. Uh, the Patriots had Bill Belichick, a, a amazing leader at the head coach position. They had a, a great quarterback in Tom Brady and a great tight end in, in Gronkowski. 
And the Chiefs are set up the exact same way with a great head coach, and not just coach, but he's a great person. I got a chance to know Coach Reed personally uh, as the person, mm-hmm. and he's, a, he's yeah. an amazing person. Forget the coaching side of it. He's just a great person, for one. And then you have uh, you still have Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback position, and for our tight end, we have Kelsey. You know, so I feel like they are set up to really continue this dynasty they're on, and Coach Reed is at the helm of that. We're talking uh, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl fifty-seven with uh, the great Terrence Copper, ninety-four-three. Uh, the game, uh, football analyst, uh, pirate through and through, and uh, Terrence. Uh, you know, I, I just I look at the San Francisco team though, and again, I think Purdy is an upgrade over Jimmy G. Uh, I think he's had a fantastic season. Uh, George Kittle's is equally as good at tight end as Kelsey. Uh, you have Debo Samuel, who I think is fantastic, and then CMC, who's so dynamic, Christian McCaffrey. So I don't think you could discount that uh, because uh, I just I think again on paper they have more options on offense, even though Kansas City has the advantage of quarterback. I, I agree with that. I think that I think for San Francisco, I think the guy that does it for them is McCaffrey. I think McCaffrey is the guy that makes them so dynamic. I think the other guys are great in their role. Debo Sanders, I love him uh, when, they, when they have the ball in his hands. I like the yeah, quarterback. Yeah. I, I like their team. Uh, but I think McCaffrey makes them go. And when it comes down to this game, I feel like it's going to be a very close game. I feel like it's going to be a tight game. But I just feel like Patrick Mahomes is a winner through and through. And I feel like he's going to find a way to will his team to beat the San Francisco 49ers. I think Patrick Mahomes, for for the player for the Chiefs, I think he is the X factor in his will to win and just the way he plays the quarterback position. He's not going to he's not gonna, uh, allow himself to, to beat their team. Everything he does is – is what the Kansas City Chiefs need at that moment. When he needs, when the Kansas City Chiefs needs a game manager to just manage the game because of how the game is going, he will be that guy. If the Kansas City Chiefs need a guy that need to make some tight throws and and some big lead uh, throws and and lead them down the field because we got to come back, he's going to be that guy. He is everything that he needs to be in every moment, and that's rare to find. But you found it in Tom Brady. That's why I'm really singing high praises of him because yeah. for him to go for him to go in the playoffs and go on the road to beat Buffalo. I mean, this just wasn't a down year for the Chiefs. But for him to go on the road to beat Buffalo, and then for him to go on the road and beat a Baltimore team that should be in the Super Bowl uh, with their right. MVP quarterback, you know, for him to do that, it's amazing. And, and because of him, it's going to be a lot of great quarterbacks in the NFL that's not going to get a chance of the Super Bowl because of him. Yeah. Uh, were were you who are you rooting for in the Baltimore Kansas City? I mean, either way, you were kind of, you know, going to win out. But uh, were, was there was there a particular? Were you maybe hoping Baltimore got there, or, or what, what was that like for you a couple weeks ago? To, to me, it didn't it didn't matter uh, because, like right. I said, either way, I felt like it was it was good either way because I wanted to see I like Lamar Jackson, and I wanted to see Lamar Jackson get them to a Super Bowl. Uh, and plus, like I said, I'm I'm a Raven as well, you know. But I wanted to see Lamar Jackson get that stigma off his back about the type of quarterback he is, 
uh, because he has two MVPs. I don't know if this MVP right here is his third one, but I know he at least now he got two at least. But he needs that Super Bowl ring to put him in the conversation with the other great quarterbacks. And I feel like he is a great quarterback. Uh, but I just feel like he's he doesn't get his just due because when it comes to the playoff time, he's not making the statement. And that's when the good teams and the good quarterbacks make their statements in the playoffs. So I was hoping that he could get a win just so he can move move uh, out of that realm of just being a regular quarterback. But I also am thankful that the Chiefs got back because that's an amazing organization as well. So I, I couldn't lose with that, but I, I didn't mind seeing Lamar Jackson get there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talked about both offenses pretty extensively, but both defenses – I mean, Kansas City's got one of the best defenses in the NFL. And then you just look at the talent pieces on San Francisco. They have a very, again, on paper, kind of deeper linebacking core, but also a, a just a, I think, a more talented to a man on paper and in production uh, defense this season. It is. They they are tough. And when you look on, on the edges, you got Bosa on one edge, and then you look on the other edge, uh, what's the kid name that came from the Redskins? Well, the Washington football team. What was the commanders? Their DN. Uh, he was a first-round pick. I, I can't call his name, but they are loaded defensively. San Fran is. Uh, I think the Chiefs are are great when it comes to defense this year. I think they did a lot better there this year when it came to their defense. Uh, so the defense the Chiefs have is solid. So this is this is shaping up probably to be one of the best one of the best Super Bowls we have ever seen because of not just their defenses and not just because of both of their quarterbacks. Because Purdy, trust me, he got a chip on his shoulder. And what Purdy has done this year, uh, if Lamar Jackson didn't get the MVP, Purdy could have been in the running for it. You know, so I feel like with Purdy, where he has his chip on his shoulder and how San Fran is playing, I feel like with the Chiefs, how – Mahomes, how he is, and how the Chiefs are playing, and how both defenses are very aggressive and very good. This is really set up to be one of the most, probably the best, probably the best Super Bowl we've seen in a long time, and that's saying a lot. Yeah. We've seen some good Super Bowls. We have uh, Terrence Coppers with us uh, here. All right, give us a little update on what's happening at the Premier Sports Academy. What are you guys uh, involved in this time of year? So right now we are. Real heavy with, with our 7-on-7 seven seven starting up. Uh, our travel basketball is starting up. Uh, we have basketball training that's going on. We have football training that's going on, speed, speed and agility, speed and agility training. We still have birthday packages. Any type of events you want to throw, uh, you can reach out to us uh, at the Premier Sports Academy, or you can reach out to us at 378-1655. Uh, so we have a lot of great things going on for your kids, for your athletes. We have after-school programs still going on, so we just have a lot. What is that son of yours that's in high school going to – which sport is he going to play? I know he plays you know, them all, but <laughs> – You know what the crazy thing about I just got off an interview uh, over in Kinston, and they asked the exact same thing. And one thing that, that I used to do, I used to label him. I used to be like, you know, he's a football guy. Uh, but when he was yeah. younger, I used to think he was a basketball guy. Now, Pat, I don't label them. You know, I give them to God, and I let God do whatever he's going to do with them. And Tyreek is just who he is. Whether it's, If you like him in basketball, you like him in basketball. If you like him in football, you like him in football. He can do both. Uh, and I stopped labeling him and, and putting him in a box because he's, he's a kid that you can't put in a box, to be honest with you. And, and that's because of God, the talent that he's, 
that God has given him. It's all his mom. That's what it is. It's all his mom. All right. Uh, the great Terrence Copper. T-Cop, give me, a, give me a winner and a score. Super Bowl. Ooh, okay, so we got the Chiefs. We got the okay. Chiefs, and I'm going 24-27 Chiefs. I think Patrick okay. Mahomes drives down. I think he drives down the last, the last two minutes of the game, within the last two minutes in the two-minute drill, and I think they seal it with a field goal. So you got a fourth quarter drive. Mm, yep. 24, 27. Okay. How about you? I got you. Uh, I'll give my picks at the end of the show. That'll, that'll <laughs> prompt you to listen. That'll prompt you to listen. All right. Uh, the great Terrence Copper, uh, Premier Sports Academy in Winterville. Check him out there. Uh, great to talk to you again, Terrence. And uh, we'll speak again soon, my friend. Take care. Yes, sir. You too. Good having you on. All right. There he is. Great Terrence Copper. Awesome to have T-Cop on. One of the great people. Uh, as uh, great a football player as he uh, was, uh, he's just a, a better human being. Hey, congrats to Shane Winkler. Uh, Pirates in softball get the 10-run win to open the season. And uh, he gets win number 400. ECU softball hit three home runs. What they hit last year, Pilk, like 11? I think it was 20 for the year last year. They hit three. Okay. Uh, Joey Fatante hit a grand slam yesterday and I think, the fifth inning. I so know. that was awesome. It's crazy. Pirate basketball back on the hardwood at San Antonio this weekend. We'll talk about that game next. Also talk some more with Brian Mull about all that, but I want to congratulate Coach Winkler on that. Uh, the uh, Pirates are going to play this weekend in Charleston. Tuesday, they will play North Dakota State in the home opener, and I'll have that on ESPN+. Plus. So uh, hope you'll join us then. But right now, stay tuned. Brian Mull will be with us. Little Delbert McClinton going to break. Weekend song, if you know, you know. We have you covered with all the ECU news and beyond that you need for the drive home. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Brian Mull, FBG Mull on uh, the artist formerly known as Twitter X. He tweets about golf. He tweets about uh, basketball. He also writes about college basketball and golf. Had something out this week. Mall, how are you, my friend? Well, dirty hippie music for you, you dirty hippie. Doing well. Thanks. It's a classic. Makes me think that uh, springtime will be here before we know it. It kind of felt like it in uh, southeastern North Carolina. You know, we're... Uh... We're virtually neighbors now. So, uh, so it's, you know, it was a nice kind of warmish day. Yes. I'm very stoked about tomorrow. I'm going to think I'm going to enjoy a little, uh, time on the, uh, on the sand tomorrow because it's supposed to be, uh, supposed to be quite warm and decent enough to go out and have a little fun. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why ladies and gentlemen, He's one of the best in the business. All right, uh, Brian Mull with us uh, here. You want to start? I, uh, golf, I got a couple things real quick. And, uh, again, stay with us because we've got the encore of uh, Logan from this morning. Pilk, how long is that? Did you text me and let me know how long that is so I can I can adequately time out the rest of the show. And I don't want to short shrift the great Brian Mull here. Um, how about uh, HV3, Harold Varner, uh, season opener for Liv, finishes uh, – DFL and uh, comes back and uh, 
I mean, what he did uh, yesterday, 63 in the opening round there at Vegas. And it's interesting they're holding their event in Vegas during the Super Bowl. And I'll tell you what, they actually had, you know, for Liv, a pretty good crowd yesterday out there. I, I th- It actually might be a little stroke of genius to have that event out there with the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, the, the city is buzzing uh, more than it normally does uh, with the Super Bowl being in town and all that comes with that. And I think it is a very smart marketing ploy by Liv to go where the party is and they kind of see themselves as the party in golf and with the talent that they've been able to attract. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of tour players on both tours are based out of Las Vegas, so a home game for some of the live guys. And I know Harold has worked uh, quite a bit with Butch Harmon, the, the swing instructor. So don't know if he was able to, uh, who's based in Vegas, who maybe was able to have an opportunity to see him prior to the event. But regardless, a, a terrific round, and um, you know the beauty of golf in that you can have a very disappointing week, but there's often next week where. Uh, you can quickly put that in the rearview mirror. Uh, I expect Harold to have another good year on the live on the live tour. Does John Rom going to live? Uh, I don't want to say legitimize that, but does that has that kind of flipped the script? Because you know, you know, last year there were the elitists who wanted to have nothing to do with uh, live. That felt like uh, live was kind of the uh, well, you know, kind of a joke in a way, or, or not a real tour. I mean, you've got the best player in the world, Rom. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody's rankings say. Rom's the best player in the world right now. Uh, being on that tour, that's a huge deal. And then they, he's got on his team, which, again, I think this concept could really take off, but the team is uh, the, the kid out of the SEC that won the championship in the SEC. I mean, they're getting the best players now. Yeah, I mean, and they're going after them. Um, I, I – had a conversation with someone recently who said that uh, Nick Dunlap, the amateur who won in Palm Springs a couple of weeks ago, received a phone call from John Rom in the parking lot within an hour of that victory being offered $20 million and the spot on his team. And then he declined it and they went directly to Caleb Surratt, a North Carolina native from Indian Trail, sophomore, about to start his uh, fourth semester at the University of Tennessee, reigning SEC champion. And look, that's the key for either the Live Golf or the PGA Tour is not only attracting the current superstars of the game and retaining them, but attracting this next wave because as we continue to see uh, around the world, the game is getting younger. There are more and more uh, players who are ready to compete at the highest level right away at a very young age. They're going to keep coming for myriad reasons. And, uh, you know, the balance of power is certainly shifted. It continues to shift in Liv's favor. I mean, there's no question that they're getting a player, the reigning masters champion, two-time major winner, uh, you know, just a, a superstar destined for greatness like John Rahm legitimizes that tour. But I think what, if you look a little deeper, I think it also means that down the road, we're going to see some more unity between the two tours some working together. You're going to have to, um, you're going to have to, you, you, you cannot deny world ranking points to players of the caliber that they have on their roster. Now. I mean, if, if there's a major tomorrow, there's a very good opportunity that John Rahm and Brooks Kepka are two of the top names on the odds board. And 
uh, you know, certainly Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy would be in, are going to be in the mix as well. But the balance of power is shifting. And I feel like Rom deep down had an idea this was going to happen. And, you know, he's a guy who's always talked about the history of the game and also his his place and, and his legacy. And I think he wants part of his legacy to be he was the guy that moved the needle that forced these two sides that have this contentious relationship to have some sort of agreement well, and, and live and, as I part mean, of the party. D- yeah, you got DJ, you got Cameron Smith. I mean, again, the, if if they were playing a major next weekend, those four guys would be on the odds board at, at very close to the top on the odds board. It, it's you and I were talking yesterday as we're uh, as we're uh, prone to do. And I think that you you hit you hit the nail on the head. Get rid of the President's Cup. It stinks. And let's do a live PGA thing. That would be bigger than the Ryder Cup. It, it would be the biggest event in golf because you have these people on both sides who've drawn a line in the sand, you, you know, uh, and, and either supported one or the other. And then you have just a, a lot of golf fans who are in the middle who are just confused really by understandably so by everything that's going on and it doesn't really make a lot of sense it looks completely different i think there's a case to be made that golf needed a revolution in some fashions it had become stale in the way that it was and the pga tour had a monopoly on on the best events in the world and i'm not sure that's good for the sport globally and it is a global game so yeah, let's take the best twelve from who, who want to be on the U.S. PGA Tour have made that choice—a choice that that looks smart as the three billion dollar investment was announced earlier this yeah, week. Right, and, and then right. you you take the players who have who have opted to go the live route, and uh, look what a match that would be. I mean, I could I could draw up twelve versus twelve right now. That would be just compelling theater. And, and look, and you know, a lot of these guys are still friends, right? Play it in the Northeast because there's great rowdy golf crowds in the Northeast. Play it up there. You could probably name courses better than I could. Play it at the Waste Management. Make that the weekend of the Waste Management, that square off. Let's do it then because that's a rowdy crowd. Do it in Vegas. Do it somewhere where it's going to be raucous. And I guarantee you, you'd you'd set viewer ratings. You'd sell tickets. And look, both sides, plenty of money. Let's put a charitable deal in it let's give some money to some chair let's give some money to troops or you know yeah. something that that is beneficial i mean let's do something like that let's grow the game let, let, let's do something like what harold's trying to do in the carolinas where we make the game more accessible for folks from all types of backgrounds all kinds yeah. of income let's, let's golf, do something for the troops golf. and make the gum more acceptable game more accessible exactly golf's a super expensive sport you know let's help some people out that have the ability and have the talent and uh you know at least let them you know progress and maybe be a college golfer get a scholarship uh be terrific that'd be great yeah all right let's talk some hoops uh you wrote an interesting article for college insider i believe it was uh, about uh about the and you can check that out collegeinsider.com and uh, brian's got it there high point 21 basketball team, uh, what they've done is a university is kind of revolutionary and interesting. And in the Big South, they have jumped in two feet in IL world. 
They they have. Um, they uh, they hired Alan Huss, a uh, very accomplished uh, chief assistant from Creighton, and certainly uh, instrumental in helping Greg McDermott build that program there over the last decade. And uh, you know, one of the best offenses in the country year in and year out. And he brought a lot of those concepts to High Point. They were able to recruit uh, an extremely talented class, um, a class really when you dig into it that, uh, you know, these guys weren't being recruited very hard. They were kind of lost in the portal, if you will, and credit to Huss and his staff for finding those guys. Now, once you find those guys at any mid-major, uh, any any school that's not in the Power Five, you've got to think about retaining them. And because of that, they uh, have invested heavily uh, really, really created a, a unique NIL uh, where they can cater to uh, domestic and international players because the, the laws are a little different there on, on, on how the funding with taxes and things, tax deductible donations, and they feel like they're in a good position to retain the talent that they have. They do not, uh, unlike a lot of teams, they're pretty young. They have a lot of guys who have eligibility remaining. Uh, they have a seven foot freshman, true freshman center originally from Cameroon, who, who is, uh, you know, potentially an NBA guy down the road. I mean, he's extremely raw, but he has he just has gifts that uh, you can't teach. And, uh, you know, that they certainly want to keep him. So fascinating what they've done there. Uh, people around the, the Carolinas and around the Big South and just college basketball in general always felt like High Point was a was a sleeping giant. Uh, with the right leadership there. They have the support across the campus, well, which is vital. Uh, it goes way beyond the basketball office and basketball court these days. And uh, they're, they're, they're pragmatic. They think about solutions up there. And I think that was what really stood out in talking to the president, AD, and the coach. Well, and here's the other thing. Everybody talks about, well, we want to be the Gonzaga of uh, the East Coast. I mean, you've heard that down in Wilmington, quite frankly. You've heard it uh, in Richmond with VCU. High Point's positioned to be that because it's private, like Gonzaga. I mean, in other words, it's the only, truly the only game in town. I understand that these other places I mentioned it is too, but they have the the administration is committed to that. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but they are they're positioned to really run the Big South if they continue this for a long. I mean, the the campus, the way the campus looks now. I mean, it's it's very modern and futuristic, and that wasn't always the case. Um, uh, but ironically, they get beat by Drew Pember and uh, UNC Asheville, who's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. Not well funded. It's not a well funded program. It's kind of a gritty uh, thing. But Pember's awesome, man. And I mean, you could look at either one of those teams from North Carolina. Could very well be. Well, they're both very likely going to be in the postseason one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, that that's uh, – I think everybody uh, around that conference fully expects them to uh, meet one more time in the tournament championship game, which, I, you know, interestingly enough, will be on the High Point campus at their beautiful new arena, the Cobain Center, this year. So a bit of a home court edge for the Panthers. But, uh, yeah, what, what Mike Morrell has done at UNC Asheville in five years is phenomenal, of course, defending champions – and uh, really uh, just a representation of what mid-major basketball in the Carolinas is right now, which is probably as good as it's ever been in, in the last uh, couple of decades when you look at what's going on at Appalachian, Charlotte, UNCW, UNC Greensboro. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you've just really got a lot, of a lot of strong programs across the region. Well, either one of those teams could be in the NCAA by winning the Big South, as we know. Uh, Wilmington's got a great shot to win the CAA. 
Uh, you're going to have uh, the, the usual suspects of Duke and UNC and, and possibly Wake Forest uh, in the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, State is probably an NIT team at this uh, at this juncture if they choose to to go to that tournament. Um, obviously, with a lot of time still to play, is there, is, is there, who could win the SoCon? Is there anybody from the state that could win the SoCon, or or is that uh, uh, yeah, not UNC, as likely? UNC, UNC Greensboro. Um, okay. I mean, Stanford uh, beat Greensboro last night to sweep the series. What Bucky McMillan has done down there, there's a name to remember. He's not going to be at Stanford forever. Young guy who was a <laughs> successful high school coach and has just taken that program to places it's never been. Um, they'll be the favorite going into the, the SOCON, but UNCG will certainly be in the mix there along with Chattanooga and uh, Furman. Western Carolina has got a pretty solid team as well. But um, yeah, I mean, we could uh, we could have representatives from the state with with the three primary mid major leagues that that you know are, are kind of made up of teams from the state and. Uh, Certainly, what Charlotte's done, um, you know, they're, they're really yeah, going to have to win the American tournament, but, but they're in the mix as well. How about South Florida? You know, they knock off Charlotte this week, and going into the weekend, they're the number one team in the conference. I mean, Abdurahim can just coach. We know that. I like his team. He's got he's got some great guards. He's got a six ten guy that can score from three levels. I just think uh, South Florida. They believe, man, they're going to be a tough out. Yeah, and and shout out to my guy uh, Andy Andy Kennedy at UAB as well. I mean, that team was uh, was four and five and dead in the water, and and he was publicly about as frustrated as I've ever heard him. He's generally a pretty pretty realistic and upbeat type of guy, and uh, they were not defending anyone and losing games at home, which just, just does not happen in Birmingham. And then I watched. Uh, one of the better games I've seen this year. Last night, uh, they they take down FAU in overtime and just an absolute fist fight. Yeah, right. U- right. U- UAB imposes its will, and and now he's got them right where you expect an Andy Kennedy team up in the mix in the top five in in the American. And uh, you know that guy, he 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 is uh, what he did at Ole Miss was impressive, and uh, you know now he's back at his alma mater. And and uh, hats off to to UAB for. For uh, you know, in the top of the American in general, it's just been really, it was really interesting yeah. to watch. Maybe not the names we expected, but but certainly some very good teams. Well, and here's what's interesting about USF: you saw them too uh, earlier in the year. Hofstra, I think it was, and yeah. I mean Hofstra boat raced them, and I mean that was a deal. Okay, it's looking like another Brian Gregory esque season. Yeah, I mean, at that point, if you would have, I mean, there's no way I would have believed they would even have been in contention, much less leading the American. I mean, it just looked like a first year coach, you know, trying to build it with a lot of transfers, just the pieces didn't fit together, that that you questioned the buy in, just the energy that was on the court. I mean, it was, I know it, it had to be very frustrating. And for them to just click into gear, in a year when there's you know four or five top 100 teams in the American, and uh, be at the point they are now 16 and five, nine and one, um, just just a great job of coaching. I mean, let's call it what it is. I mean, I mean, this is the same coach who took a one win a team from one win to the NCAA tournament in four years at Kennesaw State, and uh, he looks to be uh, continuing that career arc here in South Florida. All right, uh, Pirates return to action after uh, the buy from the midweek game. The off period probably couldn't have come at a better time. We'll see what Brandon Johnson's like health-wise with the hip. Uh, but uh, 
he's got to get back on track. This team's kind of got to get back on track. Can they do it tomorrow on the road in San Antonio? I mean, this is a game you need to win. Like we've said that a lot about the Pirates. They, they've won a few of those and lost a few, but uh, at four and six, kind of in the middle with any hope of getting to uh, 500 or above in, in the conference, you can't afford to go four and seven. So, uh, yeah, road games are difficult, but you're playing one of the bottom teams, uh, a, a team that's really not been able to stop anybody 353rd in defensive efficiency. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're coming off of a week where you get a bye, which is a great thing this time of the year. Look, all these teams have bumps yeah. and bruises and uh, need, kind of need a reset, and, and they've been given that. Um, they, they need to go down there and, and perform well. And uh, this is kind of a litmus test for what we're going to see from this team the rest of the way. I mean, you and I both know that you kind of are who you are at this time of the year, and um, the teams that are on the ascent continue generally continue that – way and, and uh the, the teams in the middle they're trying to find themselves better do it in a hurry uh you know i just need to see more consistency from the pirates both individually and collectively and uh i just don't know that they've really formed the identity that i expected give me a super bowl winner well uh, i like the chiefs my man billy walters is the best to ever do it said the wrong team is favored and so uh, Billy Walters also said that Michigan was going to beat Alabama. And uh, he said a lot of things that turned out right. So I'm going to go with – I'm going to lean on him. And, and I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes in, in a big game. Uh, I just uh, – yeah. all, all things being yeah. considered, I'm, who's got the better quarterback? And to me, it's not – I'm sorry, no offense to Brock Purdy, but, but Mahomes is the best quarterback in the game. And I think they got the better coach on the sideline. I think Andy Reid's highly un over underrated, and I think he's the best coach in the NFL. I've already said that a lot today. All right, uh, Brian, thanks a lot. Enjoy your weekend, my friend. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the big game. All right, Brian Mole, there he goes, at BG Mole, follow him there. Uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington with a 94-3 The Game Sports Update and Pirate Report. Pilk, take it away. Thanks, P-Man. Starting in Pirate Athletics, it'll be a full weekend. And it started yesterday when the softball team won the season opener 11-1 to at Charleston Southern. And it was Coach Shane Winkler's 400th career victory. Be sure you come out tomorrow to the lacrosse season openers. They will host Queens University at noon. Then head on over to women's basketball at 2 o'clock as they host Charlotte. On the drive home, be sure to tune in to 94.3 The Game and 107.9 for men's basketball coverage against UTSA. Network coverage starts at 3.30 for that four o'clock tip. Last night, the NFL Honors, Lamar Jackson won his second MVP, and Steelers' Cam Hayward brought home the NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year. The 2024 Hall of Fame class was announced. It was defensive end Dwight Freeney Devin Hester, the kicker turner and cornerback, turned wide receiver. Wide receiver Andre Johnson, edge rusher Julius Peppers, and linebacker Patrick Willis. For the senior class, it was Randy Gr Granishaw from Igo's favorite team, the Denver Broncos, and Steve McMichael. Last night, the Canes knocked off the Avs 5-2. Martin Natchez had a natural hat trick, scoring the first three goals of the game, all coming in the first period. The Canes will be back in action tomorrow when they host the New Jersey Devils as Dougie Hamilton makes his return to PNC Arena. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. On the other side of this timeout, we will hear from Coach Logan talking about Super Bowl 58. 
We are. We are. We are. Riding shotgun with you on the drive home. It's go time. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. All right. Uh, it is uh, Super Bowl weekend. Chiefs Niners. Steve Logan, uh, who occupied this space Fridays at 5 o'clock for the uh, fall. Great job. He talked uh, earlier today on Talk of the Town with Henry Hinton and myself about the uh, Super Bowl and football matters. And we asked uh, Coach Logan, does he buy into that two-point spread? No, I just so far you cannot bet against Patrick Mahomes. That's what I say. uh, He's a next – really and truly, he is the uh, perfect evolution of the mobile quarterback – that can win from the pocket and then punish you when the pocket breaks down. That's the perfect quarterback. You know, Michael Vick could punish you when the pocket broke down, but he couldn't necessarily win in the pocket. And the NFL, they will make you, eventually they will make you win from the pocket. So, you know, this Mahomes cat, I'm telling you, man, he he really is. He's the perfect evolution of the of the twenty first century quarterback, in my opinion. The other quarterback's not bad. What do you think of the Purdy kid? He is uh, just so good, so good to watch. Uh, he's that guy. You know the the experience I had with Matt Ryan of being. You know Matt would release the football so early, and his anticipation with the ball. You know he he didn't have a. You know Matt didn't have a huge arm. But the timing and the, you know, the catchability of the ball, you know, it's Joe Montana, Brock Purdy, he, that kind of quarterback. And uh, this, this game, to be honest with you, is going to come down to the San Francisco 49ers running game hmm. versus Patrick Mahomes' magicianship. That's really true. You know, the, the 49ers run the football in, in the most creative way that I've seen ever. You know, I mean that—that's really Shanahan's genius. You mean you mean their game. blocking schemes or something? Correct. Yeah, they're blo- you know uh, Chris First Furster is the offensive line coach that I worked with at San Francisco, and he's still there, and uh, he is the the single best offensive line coach I've ever been around as far as the creativity and the way that he uses. You know, San Francisco is a two back offense which is kind of a throwback in this day and age. Everybody else is a one-back offense. But if you watch the San Francisco's run game, it's used with a lot of inserts by the fullback or a motion fullback or a motion tight end. And it's a zone scheme, but the creativity of it is off the charts. And, uh, you know, then you hand in the ball to one of the very best running backs in the history of the game, Christian McCaffrey, and, there you go, man. You can run the football and win a lot of football games, and that's what they've done. As long as McCaffrey doesn't get hurt, he hasn't been know, hurt. He hasn't been hurt much this year. He's get he's been a little injury prone. Of course, he was hurt the whole time he played for the Panthers. But I know it's amazing. You know when he when uh, when he left, you know Carolina to go to the Forty ers I thought, man, they're you know the Forty ers are really gambling because he had been hurt for two years, but he has stayed healthy. And I'm telling you, when he is healthy. He really is one of the best running backs I've ever seen, ever. Yeah. So what makes Mahomes so good? I mean, he's just got – he's just kind of a freak, isn't he? Well, he is. Like I say, he's the perfect combination. But, uh, you know, the 
Brock Purdy has the same attribute that can't be coached that Mahomes and all the great ones have. They see the field in a wide vision, you know, peripheral vision. I call it soft focus. Uh, I've worked with some quarterbacks that play the game and they see the game through a straw. You know, they, they have to look at a receiver, look at another receiver in a true progression form. But the, the best ones that I've been blessed to work with, you know, at East Carolina, you know, the Jeff Blakes, uh, you know, David Garrard had a lot of that where they could soft focus the field. Certainly Matt Ryan could. And, you know, suddenly the ball comes out in a place that might have been the third read of a one, two, three read, but the ball comes out so fast to number three because they've already seen it develop without having to look at one and two. And uh, it's a, it's wonderful to coach, I can tell you that. When when you've got a quarterback doing that for you as a play caller, I mean, man, you are you're in tall cotton right there now because every play has a chance to work, and both those quarterbacks do it. But Mahomes has the added ability, you know, to just take off running yeah. when everybody's covered, and you can't get that kid on the ground. How many times have you ever seen him truly no, get sacked? Really? Like never, never. Yeah. He's amazing. He's amazing. You know, is there any hope for the Panthers? You know, you say there's no patience with the owners, but, I mean, how about when the owner is the problem? <laughs> well, that they are the problem because they have no patience, and so it, it's a boomerang. It's a circle. that It's vicious. But the Panthers right now, if, in fact, Bryce Young, is that his name? Yeah. The quarterback? Yep. If, in fact, he isn't capable of carrying – the franchise, the Carolina franchise, is going to be a disaster for years to come because they they spend all their draft capital on that kid, and which is scary. But that's what they did, and so it's welcome to hell if this kid can't pick up the franchise and carry it. I, I don't know if he can. I think he's good. I don't know if he's that good. Yeah, he sure didn't look good this year. That's for sure. But I I, I remember well, no, nobody would. I remember Nobody on your radio show this year, you did a, comp, a compare and contrast to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars guy, Tracy Lawrence. Tre- Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Yes, uh, Trevor Lawrence. And, yeah. and you talked about how how much his rookie year was like Bryce Young's rookie year. And then, of course, he's exactly. he's blossomed into a good quarterback. But, I, I mean, he, he seems like he's got a better supporting cast, doesn't he? Well, he does because, uh, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars didn't have to give everything away to get him. It was right. their natural slot to get Trevor Lawrence. They didn't have to trade up. But, you know, that's the gamble that, uh, you know, the Panthers took. And, you know, again, it's all 2020 hindsight, but I can tell you this. If I had been in that draft room, I would have been fighting really hard on one issue to not draft Bryce Young first and it's simply this the nfl is a big man's game yeah there there are exceptions everywhere i understand that there's a barry sanders at running back there but i'm just telling you a 511 195 pound kid playing quarterback uh, you know drew Brees was exactly six foot and a quarter jeff blake was 511 and seven eights but it's scary you know, this guy doesn't even look 5'11". They list him at 5'11". I'm not sure he is. Well, but. you know what? I've got a, one of my closest friends that's still in coaching coached Bryce at Alabama. 
And so I've, you know, and I don't want to mention any names and I'm not going to, but I asked him a lot about that because I was shocked that uh, the Panthers did what they did just on the physical attributes available. And uh, my friend told me, he said, you know, I wouldn't bet against him, but I wouldn't bet for him. Now, that's not a great endorsement for somebody that worked daily with that young man. Yeah. PJ, two minutes. Go. Uh, are you surprised Bill Belichick didn't land somewhere, Coach? Um, yes and no. I'll tell you, there's an axiom in the NFL, and I experienced it personally. You don't retire from the NFL. It retires you. <laughs> and that's what Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, <clears throat> Steve Logan, Tom Landry, anybody that's ventured into those waters, that's what happens. They look at your birth certificate eventually and say, that's it. Go find a 40-year-old somewhere. And <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's the nature of the beast, and that's where Bill Belichick and, you know, even at the collegiate level, you you see Nick Saban, you know, there's other issues there. You know, the, the NIL thing right. is starting to kick in. The, well, the, that's the what I was going to ask you. Were you surprised Saban retired because he seemed like like a lifer? But uh, I guess he just got fed no. up with the state of things. NIL. NIL did it. Yeah. Have you seen where Chip Chip Kelly's getting ready to walk away from UCLA? Yeah. Go back yeah. into the NFL as an offensive coordinator. The head coach at Boston College walked away to go be the defensive coordinator wherever. And this is going to be, you know, these 50- and 60-year-old coaches that haven't grown up in NIL, they're, walk, they're going to walk away the first chance they get because that isn't what they signed up for. Now, the younger generation, they won't know any different. They're going to walk into that, and they'll deal right. with it because it's like I said on my radio show earlier that these college coaches are going to suddenly find out they not only are the head coach, they're the general manager. And you got to manage money. And you got to manage contracts and then try to coach football. It's just what the Boston College coach said on his way out the door. He said, I'm not getting to coach anymore. And so there's going to be a whole lot of this coming down the road because the college game, as you and I and everybody else grew up with, is no more. All right, Steve Logan from earlier today on Talk of the Town. Stay tuned. We will wrap up the PJ show that gets you to the weekend edition next. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Pirate basketball is coming up tomorrow. Four o'clock tip from Texas, UTSA, and the Pirates in San Antonio. East Carolina Sports Network coverage begins at 3.30 on 107.9 WNCT and right here on 94.3 The Game. Uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington producing the show. Big thanks to him today. Uh, Pilk, Super Bowl, who you got? I'm going Chiefs 28-27. Okay. One point win. Uh, I'm going Chiefs too, but I think think it's uh, a 10-point spread. I think the Chiefs are loaded for bear. Uh, I'm going to go Chiefs 34, and I guess that would be San Francisco 24. That's what I'm going. There you go. Is it a late Chiefs touchdown to, to put it out of reach, or is it never in doubt? Uh, I think maybe it's a little bit of a late touch. I think there'll be a little back and forth, but I think Kansas City will. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I think Kansas City kind of punches out there a little bit. 
late in the game or, you know, late third, fourth quarter, somewhere in there. All right. Uh, big thanks to uh, Talk of the Town for providing us the clip for Steve Logan. So thanks to Michael Busimi for that. Also, thanks to Brian Mull and Terrence Copper. On Monday, Cliff Godwin will be with us. We'll go inside the ECU clubhouse with him as it'll be game week for the Pirates. And uh, Steve and I go and I will have that for you. Plus, we'll also be bringing you uh, inside Pirate Athletics from Tiebreakers. Have a great and safe weekend, everybody. And uh, enjoy the Super Bowl.